All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Drop in the Gloves. Thank you for joining us here. John Scott, Tim Worsberger, episode number 571, Tim. Isn't that exciting? Is that the right number? I know it's close. I, I fudge it a little bit. It's close. But we're getting close to 600, and then it's 1,000. It's crazy. Crazy. I feel like we're the podcast game is almost like hockey players, where 1,000 is just nothing these days, because everybody does podcasts. No, everybody we, writes book. Everybody does podcast. We're a volume show, though, so that's 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 rare. It's rare air if we get there. I don't it think is, any of the other shows have done that. I actually, someone recently talked to me and they said, "Would you ever do the show without Tim?" And I said, "I wouldn't." Who asked you that? One of um, someone with in the Chicago realm. Man, and yeah, and I said no, I wouldn't. You we're like peanut butter and jelly, Tim. Like peas and carrots. We're carrot. too good. Peas and carrots. That's right. And on that note, you know what else is like peas and carrots? Give better, Tim. Give better. Dot app slash DTG to be more specific, because Give Better is a company that's trying to do good in the world. Everybody else is trying to drag us down, lead us into sin, take your money, all this terrible stuff. Give better is doing the opposite. They are taking your money, yes, but they're donating it to a cause. Money that you use to gamble on games, which is fun. Everybody likes to gamble every now and again. Everybody loses now and again, Tim. You lose, I lose, everybody loses. It's just a natural thing. You can't win everything. But guess what? In those losses, you can become a winner because 25% of all your losses goes to charity of your choice to help out whatever you want. You want clean water in Africa? There you go. You want to help orphans over in wherever, there you go. Pick a charity, you get 25% of your gambling losses going to that. All you have to do is go to givebetter.app slash DTG and you're done. And you can take those 25% losses and write it off on your tax return, Tim. It's a beautiful thing. But wait, there's more. If you log in and sign up now for the next, what is it, two weeks we're at now, Tim. Yep. You have a chance to win two tickets to any NHL game for any NHL team for any date of the whole season. It's not one of these things where it's like, oh, you got to use it within the next week and you got to pay for all your travel and this and that. 
you get two tickets to any rink in the NHL. Lower bowl tickets. These are primo seats. You're not sitting up in the nosebleeds. You are right there in the action. So check it out. Go to givebetter.app slash DTG. Tell them we sent you. Take a quick survey. It's super, super easy. You don't have to give them your credit card or anything. You don't have to sign up for anything. You just do a quick survey. And then you could win two tickets to any NHL game. And if you are gambling, which a lot of people do, sign up through Give Better. And you get to d- donate 25% of your losses to charity. It's such a no-brainer. It's it's a great concept, great company. We enjoy that they're a part of our show. All right, Tim, moving on. I'm in a good mood. You're in a good mood. Should we keep this rolling? I got a... I'll be honest. I got a little flack after last episode. Someone reached out to me via Twitter, which is always great. Um... And they said, I'm turning off this episode early because John's being a bully. He's being a jerk to Tim. And I'm just not taking it anymore. And I had to go back and listen to the episode. And I was like, yeah, maybe I was a little hard on old Timbo. So we're going to go completely 180. What are you smiling about? Was I not being hard? Yeah, you were. But I had to go back and listen to even know what he was talking about, too. Because it didn't really feel like, Tim, what do you think? Oh, no one cares. You move on. Like, that's... I don't know. That's just funny banter to me. You know, I don't. I thought it was pretty funny too. Yeah. Yeah. But people are very protective of you. That's what I learned from this. Our listeners are very protective. So with that being said, we're going to have an all positive episode. I feel like we focus on the negative. A lot of the times we focus on the teams that are doing bad, the players that need to pick it up, the players. I don't like this and that this episode, we are going all positive. So here we go, Tim, we're going to, Take eight to ten players who are having surprisingly good starts to this NHL season. We're not going to talk about the guys like Connor McDavid's or this and that. Tim, tell me a player who is having a great start to the season. Maybe an underrated guy. Maybe a maybe a superstar who's just lighting it up and no one really is talking about him. Well, the more I look into this one player that I'm going to start with, the more I think he's probably one of the more underrated players in the league because he's putting up points, but he's also getting Selkie votes. He kind of does it all. This is for a team in Minnesota that has gotten a lot of flack, including from you. You got a tweet last last night as well about um, they they had a big win last night and someone's just not happy that you were critical of their team. And guess what? I don't care. That's going to happen. But well, guess what? They're going to win games. Right. They're not going to lose them all. So uh, obviously they will oh, they win stink? games. Explain their win last night. They beat the Islanders. What do you think about that John, yeah. you big goon. I'm like, oh yeah, G- good. <laughs> I didn't I didn't say they're not going to win any games, dumb dumb. So anyway, this going moving forward. I'm going to start with a player named Joel Erickson Eck. He is having a It's actually Yoel. No, it's not. It's uh he's having a great <laughs> season so far. He had 61 points last year, which was his career high, 23 goals, 38 assists. Really great year. He's also gotten Selkie votes in the last year or two. Um, and this year he's off to a great start. He has seven goals in 12 games and backs that up with six assists, 13 points for a team that has struggled a little bit to put points on the board. Um, he's leading the charge and he's doing really well for this group. And he's also playing the most minutes he's ever played, just about over 20 minutes. Um, last year was under 19. So he's taking a, a bigger role and he's running with it. And when we talked last week about, you know, Kaprizov having a little bit of a slower start, you have Joel Erickson at kind of picking up the reins and keeping them competitive. So I, I really like him. I have him on, on my fantasy team, which I'm thrilled with because he's like top 20 player right now. He's kind of doing everything. and He's doing it great. So I think he's probably one of the more underrated players and a great place to start for this conversation. Yeah, he's one of those guys who you don't really think of as a points getting forward, but you nailed it. 
when you're looking at this wild team, they have a decent top two lines. I know I was pretty harsh on them last show, but when everybody's healthy, yeah, they got Boldy and Kaprizov. They're really, they're really strong on the wings, which is rare these days. Usually teams are strong down the middle. He is their most reliable centerman. I know Ryan Hartman is there. He does a good job. He's an energetic guy. He, he's a valuable piece. But if it's the end of the game, and I need a responsible centerman out there to take a face off, to, to hold the lead, it's Joel Erickson Eck. And now this year, he's added to his bag of candy. He's, he's putting up points. He's producing, which I think this Minnesota Wild team badly needed. And I think Joel Erickson Eck needed it too. He, he came into this league as a skill guy. He kind of transitioned into a Miku Koivu type player for the Minnesota Wild where he's a defensive responsible guy. He's just kind of, you know, does it all. But this is a first round pick. This is a six foot three power forward. They were hoping to come over from Sweden and really carry the weight offensively for this team. And it hasn't really translated. I think his high points was last year with 61, which is okay. But now he's clipping at a point per game. So if this guy can continue to play the way he's playing and, and start to approach that 80 to 100 range, maybe I have to rethink this Minnesota Wild team. But I don't know. It's early. I don't know if he has that in his bag. He is playing with Felino and Maroon on the third line checking line unit. So we'll see what happens there. But yes, very good start for Erickson Eck, especially like you mentioned with Kaprizov out there. If Kaprizov is out... This team is lacking on the offense, especially Matthew Boldy, like we mentioned. He's having a little bit of a slump here. So if they can get some some juice out of him, that would be nice, Tim. It's a good, that's a great pick, Tim. Thanks, I man. I loved it. Thanks, man. I really that, – that means a lot. You nailed it. You nailed it. You really All right. I'm so? going to go yeah. – with. Oh, oh, go ahead. Tim, I'm talking. <laughs> no. I'm sorry, everybody. I shouldn't have said that. Um, the next player that I want to bring up who's having a really good season that I don't think people really take into account just because there's other players on his team who are having a, a, just a fantastic start. And the team itself is having a great start is Thatcher Demko. This is a guy who kind of came out of nowhere a few years ago, 2021-22. He had a fantastic season. Even though the team wasn't doing so hot, he played great down the stretch. He had a winning record. His save percentage, his goals against average were really, really good. Fast forward to last year, much like everything else in Vancouver, everything went in the can. He couldn't save anything. He was benched. He was injured. It was just a bad season all around for Thatcher Demko. His numbers were atrocious. He was atrocious. The whole team wanted to forget last season. Now it's 23-24. It's a new year. It's a new goaltender. He's having a fantastic start to him. Best numbers of his career. His goals against average is under two. It's almost at 1.5. That's how good this guy's playing. His save percentage is almost at 9.5. And let me just stress this. This is from a team that went from giving up tons of goals their back end was a joke. They're, they didn't play defense at all. The forwards were out of sync. All of a sudden, you still have mostly the same group back there. You add Philip Ronick last year. You still have Quinn Hughes, who's an offensive-minded defenseman. You still have Tyler Myers, who for the most part is an offensive-minded defenseman. You bring in Ronick. You have Ian Cole. I think the biggest thing is you get Rick Tockett, who accountable. He holds people accountable. And Thatcher Demko's playing great. He is back to the old all-star style of Thatcher Demko that we saw a few years ago. What do you think of Demko? Is this just a blip or is this a goaltender that we should expect from him? 
Well, we've seen glimpses of this before in his career. He's been, you know, an A-level type of goaltender, and then he's sort of inconsistent, and he doesn't seem to play well when the team's not playing well in front of him. I don't know if he's the guy that can um, – I don't know. He's not in that top, top echelon where no matter who's in front of him, he's going to be – stop the pucks and, and, you know, carry the team. He's not that guy. But if the team's playing well, he makes you a lot better. I think that's a fair summary of Thatcher Demko and – you know, he's never put up in above a 915 save percentage in his career. And here he is at 948 this year, averages 912 for this whole career. So I, you might come down a little bit, um, but that doesn't mean that he's going to have a bad start uh, or a bad season. I think he's great. I think it's a great pick, John. You nailed it. Well I, I'm i not going to lie. That was Tim's pick. I, I'm poaching his picks a little bit. So I just want to give full credit where credit is due. Oh, so thanks, thank you, man. Tim, for addressing Thatcher Demko. But I like, Listen, the Canucks are huge this year. I think everybody on this team is playing great. Yeah, Kuzmenko is he's playing fantastic. Makiev is playing great alongside Pedersen. Their second line, we talk about them with Miller and Brock Besser. Everything seems to be working for this Vancouver Canucks team early on. I would love it if they continue this through the stretch because I would like to see these guys in the playoffs. They have a lot they have a lot of veteran leadership that I don't think people realize because they've just had such down starts year after year after year. But you put a guy like JT Miller in the playoffs, he's a dangerous player. He was valuable years ago for the Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like he's a good player. So I don't know. I hope they, they continue this and get into the playoffs. It's a perfect year for them. Other teams are struggling. The Oilers are garbage. The Flames can't figure it out. This is the year for Vancouver to kind of fill that void and be a force to be reckoned with in the Pacific Division. Because right now, like, who else is there? There's Vegas and there's them. So, good. I like this Vancouver Canucks team. They're not screaming Bruce, there it is, from the rafters anymore. It's Rick Tockett's team. The, the, the switch is successful. Everybody was up in arms when they fired Bruce. Don't forget that. You bring in Rick Tockett at the end of last year, everybody's, he's not going to change anything. And he didn't right away. Give him a full preseason and off season to kind of get his guys in there, get his program set. And that, look at him. Look at the success we're having. Good for Rick Tockett. With Thatcher Demko, you mean. Um, well, and, and Rick Tockett. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to go next. Are you done, John, by the way? G- great job. Thank you for asking. Uh, yes, I am done. Okay. That was nice of you. Yeah, so I'm gonna go. Now. I'm gonna keep it with the goalies and go with James Reimer. And for some reason, I just have a really soft spot for him. I think just because for a couple of reasons, actually. First, I like seeing a guy who's been around forever, not unlike Demko, although maybe five or six years longer, but having the best year of his career ever this this late in his career so far. You know, only you know seven or eight starts, but still like playing very very well after not really finding it. And he was sort of the the whipping boy in Toronto when they didn't find playoff success. He was the guy before. Um, Anderson and you know he just never really I don't know lived up to expectations even though he was great during the regular season went to the Sharks went to the Panthers went to the Carolina Hurricanes back to the Sharks and here he is with the Red Wings and he's a huge part of their success we talk about Debrinket and Larkin and Mo Sider and all the guys who are having great starts James Reimer between the pipes has just been so good um, the record is okay 4-2-2 two, and two, but his goals against is 1-5-2 which is second in the league second only to Swayman yeah. And the 944 save percentage, which is fourth in the league. He's got a shout out to his name as well. So really, really good start for him. Probably shouldn't have taken, you know, this long for us to mention him on the show. I hope he keeps it up. He's a very forgettable goaltender. He just seems to always land that backup job. I don't think he's really, when, when has he really ever been the starter 
on his team. He's always been the backup or the share. He's never had the majority of games in the net. His most games played in a season is 30, 42, 46 with the Sharks. So he hasn't really been that guy, but good for him. He's a good goaltender. Is he our next Craig Anderson? A guy who just kind of plays for 15, 20 years, is consistently okay, but if you put him on a good team, he can do really great things? Or is this just, I don't know, he's just a good goaltender? It's probably a fair comparison. Um, I think yeah. Craig Anderson at his best is probably better. Um, well, you're, but... you better believe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I like it, though. Good for him. I love that star. For I, I, I still stand by my statement. I would have Craig Anderson over a Carey Price at his peak. Yeah, that's still the crazy, craziest thing. But I just feel like Craig Anderson was so good. He had the size. He had the composure in the net. He never panicked. You never saw him diving anywhere. You know what I mean? He was always in position. I really thought he was a, a tremendous goaltender in his career. He really, really was. He never really had much in front of him for the most part. And he had some good teams in Ottawa, but man, he, he, was, a, he was a stellar goaltender. I would like to get him on the show. He'd be a fun one to interview. Was he there in Buffalo when you were there? No, I would have stayed. I would have stayed in Buffalo <laughs> if he was there. Like, there's no way I'm leaving him. Let's be real. You would have stayed if they offered you a contract. Let's let's call it what it is. I was actually thinking about this last night because, like, I, I'm a thinker. I it's just the brain doesn't stop you guys. I was thinking about when camp comes around, where because you walk into a room, right? And the trainers give you a stall. And so you walk into this room and you immediately try to find where you are. And you go, okay, where's my stall? You never want it to be by the goalie. And I was always by the goalie because usually that guy's a scratch. The goalie can spread out a little bit and have a little more room on game time. You want to be in the middle of the room. So I just like, I remember in Buffalo, I was right beside Ryan Miller, my first year. I'm like, crap, I'm not going to play at all. Like, this sucks. <laughs> luckily, luckily, our team started off really bad, so we traded everybody, so I got a lot of playing time. But, yeah, it's just funny how little things you take cues off of, like in training camp, what team, what roster you're on, little things like that. So one of them was, where is your locker in the room? And I think the only time I really had a good locker was my first year in Chicago. I was kind of right in the middle on one wall, which was, which was big for me. Usually I was tucked away in a corner. It's because you knew you're going to get scratched. It's like, all right, thank you. All right, moving on. Another player, Tim, that is having a good start that maybe people aren't talking about. Who is it, Tim? I'm going to put you on the spot. I know you wanted me to go, but you, you're doing so well. I think the people want to hear from you. You want me to go again? Okay. I do. You're doing so do great. Well, the Lightning have just had, we talked before the show, how strong they are and you think the Lightning, you think Vasilevsky, who I know hasn't played yet, and you think Hedman, Zerkachev, you think Point, you think Stamkos, you Stamkos, think Kucherov. Kucherov. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nick Paul, and it's funny, I got a tweet about it this morning, and I'm like, he's on my list to talk about today. And so, um, shout out to Matt for that. But he's got seven goals, nine points, which isn't, you know, lighting the world on fire. But for Nick Paul, he's playing third-line minutes, hard minutes, checking-line minutes. To have seven goals in 13 games, which is the – comes out to like you know a 45 goal pace or something which of course he won't he won't hit but if he can hit 20 this year you know 25 like that's huge for them uh, and he's a big part he had two goals last night um 
in their win over Montreal. So just really, really cool to see that that start from him, from a guy who's never really been much of a points getter. Last year, he had his high with 32, and he should you know well surpass that this year. So really, really cool for him. He's usually about a 20-point player. Um, so yeah, really, really exciting for him to see that. Here's a guy the Lightning pick up at the deadline for a fourth-rounder and a throwaway Matthew Joseph. Kind of just a a strange trade all around. Everybody scratched your head why Ottawa would give up on this guy. Nicholas Paul is a mountain of a man. He's a centerman. He's exactly what you want for a third-line centerman. He's not too big that he's not, you know, movable. He's he's not quick on his feet. He gets around the ice fairly well for a guy of his size. And they then they go ahead and sign him to a seven-year, $3.15 million contract with a value of $22 million. Everybody thought the Lightning were crazy. Why would you do this? This guy has never scored more than 14 points, 18 points in a season. What's wrong with you? Fast forward now, it's looking like a pretty good deal. You mentioned it. He anchors their checking line. He's killing. He's on the power play some nights. He's starting to add that offensive side to his game. I think he's getting a little bit of a puck luck. We we saw with him, I think, his first playoff round with the Lightning two years ago when they won the Cup. Plays 23 games. He got so many chances, Tim. It felt like every game that he played, he was getting a breakaway. I remember was that. Just, yeah. He was always there. It's like, oh, there's Nick Paul. He's just muscling through the middle of the ice and he's got a breakaway. There he is again. There, he, But he wouldn't convert. Yeah. He doesn't have that touch yet. So I don't know what maybe things are starting to turn around because he's not a playmaker. Like he's got two assists this year. That's not his game. His game is to get in on the forecheck, cause chaos, and pick up a greasy goal, a rebound here or there. And he's doing it. I like it. They have enough playmakers on this team. So if he can continue this pace and pick up, like you said, 20, 30 goals, that'll be great for him. More importantly, that'll be great for the Lightning because they got him for cheap from Ottawa and they signed him to a kind of a risky contract for a guy of his ilk. That's a lot of money, 3.15 at this time when the cap isn't going up. But hey, it's looking pretty good for Lightning. Good for Nick Paul. I still remember him being on Team Canada years ago. It was very exciting. The World Juniors, he, he, was, a, he was a big sought-after guy coming in from Canada. Huge body. Yeah, good for Nick Paul. That's a great pick, Tim. That uh, the whole breakaway thing, but not scoring. We call that the Danny Paye special. He would just he would get two or three breakaways a week when he was on the Bruins. Never bury, always off the glass. But he was so fast. Yeah, um, just couldn't bury. You know what I was watching? I just went down a rabbit hole today. Actually, I had some time. I was bouncing around. I had a haircut at this time. I had a couple like half an hour, forty minutes. I watched the nineteen ninety six World Cup of Hockey. Kind of start to finish. Whoever put it together did these these great little 10 to 15 minute chunks of every game. And so I watched a lot of the round robin games. There's Sweden, Canada, Russia, Canada, USA, Canada. I, I focus on the Canadians. Then it got to the playoffs and the USA eventually won in game three of the finals. If you haven't seen that, and I don't know if you have, Tim, because you would have been pretty young at that time. You'd have been like 11. Or no, sorry, a lot younger than that. You would have been like five, four What year five. was it? 96. Yeah, six, five or six. Go watch this series, the 1996 World Cup of Hockey. It's incredible. Absolutely electric hockey. After every whistle, they're literally fighting. No penalties, nothing. It's in your face. It's so fun to watch. Team Canada. It's Gretzky, Gretzky Lindros, Sackick, Iserman, Shanahan, um, Paul Coffey, Theo Fleury, 
uh, Vinny Domfus, and I'm 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 leaving out like Adam Graves, like studs, Broder and Joseph between the pipes. USA was Hall, Amante, Garen, Kachuk, Mike Richter, Brian Leach, um, both Hatcher brothers. Um, all these like it, it was just incredible hockey. Absolute Doug Waite, like incredible Pat Lafontaine. Go and watch it. It, it was a treat. And just t- sit down for an hour and watch all these games. They're like 10 to 15 minutes each, and they're really fun. The Sweden team, Forsberg, Matt Sundin, like just Sammy Sallow and Nett. It's just, it was so fun. I'll tell you what, it was, it was great, great, great. I don't know why I just thought of that right now, but I just, I literally just watched them all today. And it was so, hockey's changed so much. You know what I got out of it? I'm kind of hijacking this episode. The hatred that players used to have had for each other. Absolute hatred, Tim, on the ice. It was amazing to watch. Teammates going at it, fighting, punching each other in the face, absolutely burying each other. Lindros and Leclerc going after each other. Rod the Broad, Rod the Bod going after Leclerc. They were both on Philly at the time. Like just Claude Lemieux being Claude Lemieux a pest. It was amazing to me that they the hatred that was between these two teams. And you wouldn't find that these days. If, if you lined up USA versus Canada, it would be good hockey, but there would be no like fights or after whistle skirmishes or anything like that. There'd be no big hits. It would be an Olympic style game with just up and down the ice and it'd be McDavid one way and Larkin the other way. And then you'd have up and down. It, it would not be intense or as fun as this series was. Ugh, I, th- we have lost that brand of hockey. Like Billy Guerin and Brennan Shanahan just going at it. Ultra skilled players, but still playing with that grit. You know what I mean? That's what, like, we talk about Brady Kachuk, where, like, he, he's like that. And he's so exceptional yeah. now because that's so rare. And you're like, wait, he, he wants to win. And he wants to yeah. do everything it takes. And he doesn't like the other team. This is amazing. And it's like, this is what, every, this is what the whole league was not that long ago, you know? <sighs> Go watch it, please. Do yourself a favor and just, yeah, turn the phone off. Watch that. It's just so fun. It's amazing how much has changed. That was 96. How did the hockey look, though? Like the speed Fantastic. and everything? Yeah. Well, it's obviously a step slower and, and the moves. You know, another thing that's quite amazing is just the hooking, the clutching, the grabbing. Like there's so many penalties going on every second of the game. Like someone will pass it. And a guy comes in and just pitchforks him around the waist so he can't get up in the play. And it's perfectly fine. In the corners, the defensemen are holding guys, can opener, like blatant holding and interference. But no one's getting called. They're, they only call the most obvious penalties because they're just so blatant. Like Lindros two hands a guy over his neck, Kachuk, and he gets two minutes. So it's just, it's a man's game. It was a man's game. Love that. <sighs> I'm, I'm like, I'm going to go back and watch it after the show. It's so fun. All right. I will do one. I'm going to stick with the uh, Tampa Bay because this guy, I feel like has been one of the best players in hockey for the last five years. And I don't think he gets the recognition he's due. He's won multiple Stanley cups. It's Nikita Kucherov, the Tampa Bay lightning coming into this season. Everyone is expecting them to take a step back. You lose Kalorn, Vasilevsky's out for the season. How are we going to kind of bounce back from last season's really bad playoff performance? It's Kucherov. He has taken this team on his back. He's playing fantastic. He's in his what? 
10th year, 12th year. The guy's been playing forever. He's 30 years old. It's his 12th year. He's playing the most minutes he's ever played. He's playing 21, 21.06 minutes per game. Those are defenseman numbers, Tim. Usually a forward plays around 14 to 16. Like, that's a good night for a forward. He's playing 21 minutes a game. Do you get that? That's every third shift he's out the door. That's that's bonkers to me. That doesn't happen. So he he's just playing lights out. He's leading the league in points. He's got 22 points in 13 games. He's getting goals. He's getting assists. He's doing absolutely everything. I just think you have to tip your cat to a guy like that. It's like, good. You're a superstar. You're putting up almost two points per game. There's a massive void in hockey right now because McDavid's not playing well. And he's just filled in that spot. He is playing fantastic. It's him and Jack Hughes. Unfortunately, Hughes is hurt. So now it's the Kucherov show. Do you think he'll ever get... And this is strange to say because he's a multiple, you know... Has he ever won an individual award, Nikita Kucherov? Like, just is he for is scoring, he, you know, not by vote. You know, just for having the most points, I think. Not by vote. When will he get the recognition that is due? When does he win a heart trophy? When does he win even a Selkie or, or something like that? I don't know. He, he's a, such a fantastic hockey player. He's been doing it his whole career. Ever since he came into the league. He's just, he's lights out. So I, Nikita Kucherov, hats off to you. You're he, um, playing fantastic. He did win the heart, 2019. Uh, he won the Art Ross, the Ted Lindsay, and the heart. And he was an all-star that year, of course. Well, he had 128 points. So yeah, I guess so. All right, I take that back. He doesn't need any trophies, but he's having a great year. But it begs a bigger question with Tampa Bay. Are they all of a sudden like a, a top-heavy team? They got they got the top line with Hagel, Point, and Kucherov. Do they do they risk just being shut down in the playoffs because the team can just focus completely on that first line? Because their second line, you mentioned Nick Paul. He right now is playing second line. Him and Sorelli kind of interchange with Stamkos and Connor Sheary. Connor Sheary's playing not up to his standards. I'm trying to stay positive. So does this does this team risk being a top-heavy team like the Edmonton Oilers? My instinct was to say, no, of course not. But now I think about the the runs that they went on, and it was like, not that this, I mean, obviously the superstars were critical, but it was that third line both years. Yeah. And it looked a little different each year, but that was the, the line that won them the, the cup. And they don't really have that line right now, you know? What's their third yeah, line? Yeah, Tanner's, you know... Yeah, the third line's Geno, Sorelli, and Isamont. So the the pieces are there. They're all good players. Sorelli's a heck of a player. I, I like Anthony Sorelli, but I think it's the wingers that really pull together that third line like they lost with Coleman and um, Yanni Gore. I know he was center, and then you got Barkley Gaudreau. I think Tanner Geno is that guy. I like him. I like him a lot. He just beat up Arbor Jack guy the other day. Not beat him up, but he won the fight. So I don't know. I, the verdict is out. Connor Sheary is another one of those guys who they brought him in. He's had a couple seasons along the way when he was with Pittsburgh. Maybe they're going to resurrect his career. He went to Buffalo. It's Bring in Connor Sheary. It's not working out so far. So we'll see. He's like a Thomas Hattar. He's like your Jonathan Duran. New guy. New new place, same face. He's, he's not really filling that second line right wing player that they needed when they lost Killarn. All right, Tim, who are we talking about next? Another guy that I've always liked, um, and I thought he was going to have a, a breakout before he got traded, and he hasn't, but he's doing it right now, and that's Philip Ronick for the Canucks. Mm-hmm. I was hoping for bigger things in, the, in those last few years in Detroit, 
didn't quite pan out probably the way he would have wanted to. We had 38 points twice in a row. The second year, last year, he did do that um, in that 60 games and then didn't do a whole lot um, for the Canucks after he got traded. But he's doing a lot right now. He's got 13 points, all assists in 12 games so far. He's plus 12, plus 12 with four power play points. And I think he's a big part of their success. And I think he's also just taken a ton of, of pressure off of Quinn Hughes. When Quinn Hughes, like, he's wearing the C, he's aging, he, he's, he's evolving his game, and he understands the importance of having to, more than just putting up points and making these flashy plays, he's, he's rounding out his game with leadership, with grit, with tenacity, with shot blocking, with playing the important minutes. And, and Ronick allows him to do that without having to worry as much about the offense because Ronick can put that up too. He can run a power play unit. He can score an even strength. He can dish the puck like as well as almost anyone on that team. So I think you probably see a good you know 50 to 60 point year from him. Um, I'm hoping he starts putting up some goals on the board, but I think this breakout it has been coming for a while. Um, and so I hope you see that you know continue throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, again, I think I mentioned this last show where this trade came out of absolutely nowhere last year when the Red Wings dealt him to the Canucks for a first rounder, which ended up being a 17th overall pick they got from the New York Islanders. But not bad. So far, so good from Philip Ronick. I had no real idea he had the offensive upside that he has. You know, he had 39 points, 38 points a few years ago, 38 points a year before that. So he is a pretty solid puck moving defenseman that. He, kind of was hidden in a bad Detroit Red Wings team that everybody was just expecting to take the next step, take the next step, shed some salary, this and that. All of a sudden, they jettison Philip Ronick and the Red Wings are good, and he's having his best career, best season so far in his career with the Vancouver Canucks, so good for him. I think you're right. He is taking the load off Quinn Hughes a little bit. He's a good partner to have for Quinn Hughes. Ronick, I think he is a little more defense-first-minded. Whereas Quinn Hughes obviously likes to get up in the rush, so they, they complement each other very, very nicely. So it's a it's a great it's a great pick. Do you think Stevie Y is having a little bit of regret trading Philip Ronick for for a good return? Don't get me wrong, a first rounder and a second rounder is pretty stinking good for a guy who no one really knew except for Stevie Y. But uh, I don't know any traders remorse there for Stevie Y, Tim. Probably not. I, I don't think they would would have wanted to pay Ronick to stay around. I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know that even Stevie Y expected them to be this good this quick, the wing. So obviously they'd yeah. love to have him back on their team. I think he probably thought they were another year or two away from, from reaching this level. And again, it's November 8th today, so the things can change quickly. But no, I wouldn't say that, especially with the return they got. They signed him to a – like he, he did give him 4.4 years, Stevie did, for three years. So he knew something. Like this guy – he knows talent when he sees it, and he's, he's willing to lock it up long-term. What's a good number for Ronick? He's going to be a UFA after this season. What what do the Canucks have to do to g- keep him signed? Because he's going to want to hit the open market if he continues to play like he's playing right now. Just say he puts up 50 points, he's going to want $6, 7000000 million. And do the Canucks make that mistake again and invest in a player off of his best year in his career and give him six, seven million dollars for six, seven years. Well, they have Tyler Myers six million coming off the books this year, which is just huge. And you have Ian Cole's contract expiring as well, and a couple others that are probably are, are happy to be out of. Bovillier uh, is expiring. He's not, you know, he's not really worth four point one. That's what we could do a whole hour expose on him because he was supposed to be positive, was, positive Tim. Right, right. Not today. Um, I think they'd love to keep him. Yeah, I don't know what his number is. I think he's probably asking for like the six range. Um, yeah. 
And you probably get it in the open market. So if the Canucks can make it work, then good for them. All right. I like it. I like him. He's a good, good down-to-earth occupier. Who are we talking about next, Tim? Should we talk about a, a Buffalo Sabres first-round draft pick who never really panned out with the Sabres? A guy named San Reinhardt. A second overall pick was supposed to kind of change the culture in Buffalo, taking from a losing mentality and jettison them to a competitor. Obviously, it didn't work out. They brought in some high-profile guys, Taylor Halls, Skinners, and these types, John Scotts. Didn't work out. They cut bait and sent him to Florida. All of a sudden, the guy goes on an incredible playoff run last year, starts the season this year, and he hasn't missed a beat. And He's averaging over a point per game ever since he came to Florida, Tim. Something something clicked with him. He was okay with the Sabres. Like he he wasn't bad, don't get me wrong. But for a guy who gets picked second overall second overall, you expect a little more. Well, the Panthers are getting exactly what the Sabres thought they were getting. This guy is a point per game guy. He's playing fantastic. He's buttressing up a Florida lineup that maybe isn't that great at this time. They have some injuries. Maybe they have a little Stanley Cup hangover. What are you seeing from Sam Reinhardt that makes you love him so much, Tim? I think it's just the production. You, you never hear his name get brought up as like I don't know. A, 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 he's not an elite goal scorer, but he's just so he's been so steady the last few years. He had eighty-two points two seasons ago, had thirty-one goals, sixty-seven points last year, and he's got thirteen and eleven games this year. And for a team that started pretty slow, Florida's near the basement in the Atlantic, but he's still putting up his his numbers. Uh, he's plus seven on the year. He's got a few power play points, and I feel like probably again in that that Ronick and. Um, Who's the guy we mentioned in the beginning? Just the underrated players in, in the league right now. Erickson Eck. Um, yeah, just like just quietly, quietly doing their thing. And, and you kind of forget. And then all of a sudden, um, Florida has some magic in the playoffs. And you start watching them every now. You're like, wow, this Reinhardt kid is like good. I kind of forgot. Um, that's what happened with me anyway. So, yeah, great start for him. Is Florida doing the same thing that they did last year? They started off slow. All of a sudden, they're building up for the playoffs. They're still without their two best defensemen in Sam Bennett. So is this going to be a case where we get to January and February? These guys are fully 100% healthy, and they're not in the basement right now. They're still kicking around the middle of the Atlantic division, which is good for the Atlantic. They're in fifth place. They're 6-4. and four, So they're playing decent hockey. Do you see this team making a run? Surprise? Is it a surprise if they make a run? Well, no. Kind of? You, kind of, just because – Part of it's the same thing with like Ottawa and Buffalo. This this division is so competitive that they can make a run and still miss the playoffs. You know, if they kind of falter like they've been doing, and all of a sudden they win eight out of twelve or something, they still might not be in a playoff spot just because of how strong this division is. So, it would it might be a surprise just because of just the start they've had, and and a lot of people were surprised last year. I think last year was more yeah. of an outlier than than this year would be. But again, if they catch a magic, and people keep bringing this up, even with the Oilers who. We've managed not to talk about so far this episode, but they're talking about the Blues run in 2019, where they were close to dead last, or maybe even dead last, like January yeah, 1st. Yeah, dead last, yeah. January, you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. So anything's possible now. I tell you what, I don't want to spook you at all, but right now if the playoffs started, the Panthers would play the Bruins. Oh, I think, oh, man. Well, now that Boston's not being held back by Bergeron and Krejci, I feel like their chances are better. So, we got to cut that clip. 
Pat? Yeah, no, cut Pat it out. Or, We're cutting that out of the episode. Cut that clip. That's interesting that you said that because I was thinking the exact same thing. Who on the Bruins this year is going to be were. the selfish guy to just scuttle the team? Uh, a lot, a lot of options know. there. A lot of options. Mm, I'm not worried about them. Do you see what's happening with, speaking of the Bruins, you see what's happening with the whole Brian, uh, Ryan Reeves stuff? The whole drama there. He got benched last game. He only played three minutes. He's still dash eight. Everybody's jumping all over him. They're trying to figure out what to do with him. It's this ongoing saga. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. You haven't seen it? Why? Uh, I was thinking this last night or the other night when they were playing Tampa. What, what keeps him in the lineup if he's not getting the minutes? Like, why, why bother dressing him? He makes a ton of money. It's like you can't not dress him. Right. I don't know. I think that's the main factor. He does. He is effective. Like he does his job. He's, he's definitely a physical player. He's not out of place, but I think does he, he just, because I don't know. He had a chance to do his job last week and he didn't do it. He really blew it. He really did, but he is, yeah. he is a good player. I think people are just jumping on him and they forget that he's been in the league for 10 years. He's, he's had a pretty darn good career when he's been playing. So just give him a little bit of time. I don't know why I'm so defensive of him. Maybe he's been on the show a while. Well, it's because he's you, you know. He's the last. He's the last one, or one of the last ones. He's you. He I, he's part of you guys. He's part of the crew. He is. All right, let's do one more, Tim, and we'll get to some quick hits here. Who are we going to talk about? Uh, a name who we. It's possible he's never even been mentioned on the show ever. Um, if if very rarely anyway, Casey Middlestat. Um, again, you think of Buffalo, you think of all their star players, and he's been quietly, like, he's had little glimpses of stuff, and he's not, like, you look at his stat line, nothing blows you away. 59 points last year, which was his career high. Other than that, he's more of, like, a 20 to 30-point player. But if you watch the Sabres game, he does some things. He's been in the top six before. You know, he's played a first-line center, second-line center behind Eichel. Like, he's he's kind of been in that top of that lineup, on a, but it was a bad team. And now they're a good team, and he's kind of taken a different role, and he's doing really well. Again, nothing overwhelming, but he's got 12 points in 13 games right now, which is just great for them. When you have uh, Tuck starting as slow as he did and Tage Thompson starting as slow as he did, you have Casey, Casey Middlestat just quietly, unassumingly, just putting up some solid numbers. Um, I just like him. He's, he's, he's a good you know, good little player, and it's cool to see these, these smaller guys go out and have a good start to the year. So He also he's has... He's uh, He's like 6'1", 200 pounds. <laughs> Smaller is in like not a star, um, and he's got a five-game point streak right now. He's got six points during that stretch, so good for him. You know, I want to apologize for correcting you, Tim. I should not have done that. That was my you do my it fault. after privately, not in front yes. of the children. You know, but I just will say this: this guy was eighth overall. D, he should be doing this right. Like the, he he should be this guy. So f- finally, he's starting to pan out from where his draft position was. Because he's been, I think last year was his first year where he really broke out. And the Sabres saw what they, they have in this guy. But this year, it seems like he he's a lot more comfortable. He's getting a lot more opportunity on the ice. You mentioned with some injuries, guys struggling. He's playing his highest minutes per game. He's almost at 16, 17 minutes per game, which is which is big, like I said earlier, for a forward. He's at 16.50. Kucherov is at 21. That's four more minutes. It's crazy that he's playing that much That's much, that much hockey at his age. So good for Middlestead. This is a big year for him. He's coming in. He's going to be an RFA. This is this is his time to make some do re mi. It's kind of the 
poop or get off the pot situation with the Sabres? Do we want to invest in this guy long-term or do we want to move on? And this is his show me year. He had a good year last year. He needs to do more this year or else. And it's not a bad living, but he'll be in that two, $3 million range for his whole career. Or you can take the next step. LS Sam Reinhardt get into the 70, 80 points per year. And then you're making $6 million a year. Like that sets some life changing stuff, generational wealth. So good for Casey Middlestead. Right, Tim? Yeah. And I, I, I'm not that high on him. I think he pretty much is who he is at this point, but if he can scrap together, you know, a couple of good seasons and get paid, then good for him. What's generational wealth, do you think? How much inflation's going crazy? A million dollars won't get you far these days. What do you need to have in the bank to affect like two or three generations down the road? What's that number? It's impossible to say. It's so, it's so like nice. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, moving on. It's <laughs> you can't even throw a number out there. You just. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think is 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 there even going to be a, a stock market in a hundred years? You know what I mean? It's only a hundred years old. I just said two generations, so it's like you said my more. grandkids. Uh, uh, twenty million. I was thinking ten, but yeah, okay. We'll cut split split the difference. Fifteen million. Okay. I, I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I answered. Okay. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about some quick kits. And as always, they're brought to you by DoorDash. When you need quick delivery, you check out DoorDash. Use promo code NATION25, all caps, for 25% off your first order and free delivery up there in Canada, coming soon to the States. The first one, John, keeping on the positive notes, the Sharks got their first win last night. 2-1 to one victory over the Flyers, which of course it was. Mackenzie Blackwood was the star of the game, made 38 saves for the win. Um, I'm happy for them. Obviously, that's a, a monkey off their back, and they can kind of just – they can still suck, but now they can just relax about it, you know? <laughs> they can suck quietly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it kind of takes the fun out of it a little bit because everyone was kind of circling this game on the calendar. The Oilers and the Sharks play each other tomorrow, and it was sort of like if the Oilers lose that game, then, like, you trade you trade like Hyman or Nuge or something, right? Um, just to send a message, but they got their win and, and they could still lose and it could still be bad, but at least it's not their first win. It's, it's a good feeling to get that monkey off your back. And Mike Greer, their GM had made some comments in the press. So he's obviously feeling, feeling the pressure as well. His job is on the line. So good for the sharks. It's, it's a blip of happiness in what is going to overall be a very dark season for the sharks. They're going to lose a lot of games to him. The reason they won this game was their goaltender. Blackwood was lights out. Like he, he was he was very good. The Flyers should have won that game. Text Vlasic, just be like, "Hey, how's how's it going? How are you? Hey, big win, Pickles! Congrats! <laughs> how's life? He he is probably hating life right now so much. He's such a competitive guy, but he's also kind of yeah. Go listen to the episode where we interviewed him. He's a, he's a strange cat, but yeah, I will. I'll shoot him a message. See if he wants to get on the show. I'm I'm pulling it up right now to see if he actually played in that game because <laughs> I don't think he's been playing. He did. He was minus one. <laughs> <laughs> he gets 17 minutes, minus one. You say Ryan Reeves is dash eight on the year. Mark Edward Vlasic is minus six, nine games okay. played. So he's better than Ryan Reeves. Now we know. Good. Good for him. Um, All right. The next thing, speaking of, of not playing, Jonathan Huberdeau last night was benched for the entire third period, the entire thing, um, as was Johnny Gaudreau. 
but we're going to talk about Huberdeau for a second because Coach Ryan Huska said, quote, he had an off night. We went with the guys who we felt were going. And he kind of said, you know, no one wants to deal with this. It's obviously a player's worst nightmare, and they want to be out there. They want to help the team, and we had to make a coaching decision, blah, blah, blah. And then his team won. Um, is it is it worse when you get benched and your team wins without you, like, as a player? Yeah, you, oh, absolutely. Then you could be like, man, if I was out there helping you guys, we would have turned things around, right? Yeah, the selfishness in you wants your team to lose. You want to be part of the success. Without a doubt, when I got benched, you want the overall good for your team, but in the back of your head, you're like, uh, I hope we win, but the fourth line gets scored on three times, right? How often did you, like, you know, not play much? Say you didn't play the whole third period or something. Would you know? Game, yeah. Would they tell you, like, hey, Johnny, you're done for the night? Or they just, or you just never know? You just assume you figured it you, out on your own? You get a pretty good sense of it. If, if, it's, a, if it's within two goals, I'm, I'm loosening <laughs> up my skates. Like, let's yeah. just – I got it. You know, I, I was aware of my, my situation, and it was fine. I wasn't paid $10 million. That's not my job to play tons of minutes. I wanted those guys to go out and play. Who cares? Why do you want to see me on the ice? I did my job. I'll sit on the bench and watch the third period. I was never upset by it very much. When I was a defenseman, it bothered me a little bit because I'm like, oh, there's only six of us. You might, can I get out <laughs> at least once or twice? Like, yeah. come on, you guys. And you'd see the guys coming off the ice. They'd be just completely gassed, like sucking wind, drinking water, doing everything they can. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, like, uh, looking up at the coach. Like, can I go? And there's rolling five. I'm like, well, why did you even dress me? Like, what, what are we doing here? And that happened all the time. It was maddening. But no. And then Huberto sucks, though. So here's the deal. <laughs> so it, it's it's one of these things. And this is where we're done with the positives. Everybody thought Huberto was going to take the next step this year. Everybody thought it was Daryl Sutter's issue. He needed the more open environment. He needed a system where he could be creative and free and not be shackled down by a coach in his oppressive systems. He has that now. He stinks. He's minus 12 in 12 games. He's got two goals. This guy's making $10.5 million. Tim, $10.5 million. We did that fun little thing, what was it, yesterday or two days ago, where uh, uh, the Minnesota Wild had all kinds of money in dead money. And we said, what yep. could they get for $14 million? Do you know the other players who are making $10 million is Jonathan Huberto? It's Eichel. It's Marner, it's Tavares, it's Opasas make a 13, but it's it's those types of players who are making that type of money. Mark Stone, we have Braden Point, we have McAvoy, we got like Matthew Kachuk, Kucherov. Can you imagine any one of those guys in the Calgary Flames? How different the scenario would be? It'd be crazy. Yes, Huberto's not that guy. I think he just lucked out in the situation in Florida. He got a ton of playing time. He got a ton of points. They were the highest scoring team in the NHL. And then he just backed into a massive contract because the Flames had to resign him because they gave up so much to get him. So it's just Trevealing didn't want to have egg on his face and lose Huberto, lose Kachuk, lose Gaudreau all at once. So they had to sign him. And now he's, he's so bad. It's depressing. He doesn't want to be there. You can see it in his... Just how he acts on the ice. Like, he just, he's not engaged at all. He's completely checked out. I think Daryl Sutter broke him. He's dead. There was a little video clip last night of him. I don't know if he was, like, again, just, like, told he was done or he was just frustrated because he wasn't getting called back on. 
but he's just bent over the bench, head down, like it almost looked like he was crying, and he wasn't. But it was like, man, that's how do you that's know? A broken, that's a broken man because he popped right back up, and he's it didn't look like he was crying. I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he wiped his face quick. I don't. But yeah, it sucks. It sucks for him. Sucks for the flames. It sucks for the it sucks for the flames. I think more than him, he still gets to go home, pull up his phone and his bank app, and say, "Oh yeah, okay, I'm I made three hundred thousand dollars this month or this week." Like he's gonna be fine. It's the Calgary Flames when they go and look at their cap friendly and they go, "Sheesh, yeah, we gotta pay this guy for how many more years?" And he makes ten million dollars. Oh my word, what are we gonna do? That's who it stinks for. So. Yeah, he's, he's so bad. I like these coaches benching these star players, though. It, it's a nice change of pace because you don't really see that very often. They're sticking their neck out. They're, they're sitting these guys down. You mentioned Johnny Gaudreau. It's a good thing, I think, for the league. I like it. Kudos like to the coaches. It. Last thing today, the big news yesterday was that Jack Campbell was officially waived by Edmonton, and just about an hour ago, he cleared waivers, so he's going down to the <gasps> HL. Nobody, nobody picked him up. Hmm. No shocker. I'm surprised we didn't have the Bruins fans pick him up and then trade Olmark. Um, right. So it's it's kind of crazy here, and and I was looking at some of the cap implications of this, and they're going to get very little cap relief from this. This is not to like open space. Because if they bring up the goalie, what's his? I forget the AHL guy they're they're bringing up, but it's gonna be like four hundred thousand dollars in in cap difference. Like it's not that Calvin much. Calvin Picard. Yeah, um, and if they want to do a buyout this off season, it, it it'll create a little bit of space. Where this coming year, um, it'll next year it'll be one point one million uh, cap hit, so about four million dollars in space. And then you know the next couple of years is about fifty fifty, where half the cap comes off, so it's two two point three two point six. Etc. So, like, you get a little bit of relief from this, um, which I think they probably will explore. Oh, they'll not, buy him out. Yeah, yeah. It just it sucks. I I don't like. I take no joy from this. Like, he's everything you know about Jack Campbell, the person, and just what you root for for the Edmonton Oilers as a hockey fan, and it's too bad. You know, he he's over thirty in goaltender years. That's might as well be fifty. So With it's Ryan just. Beck. Yeah, it is what it is. He had one really good year with the Leafs, 2020-21, where he put up some good numbers. He was really good in the playoffs. And then it just – he hasn't been the same player. He's never been good in Edmonton. Never. So it is what it is. See, he's he's not that guy. <laughs> You're not that guy, pal. I'm sorry, he's not. Like, he's, he's better as a backup. I, I don't think he plays well when he's the guy. Where does he go from here? I don't know. He'll get bought out this offseason. Hopefully he can resurrect his career somewhere and be a number two. I think he's proven that he's he can't handle being the star guy with all the pressure on his shoulders. So I don't know. Everybody was really excited when he went to Edmonton. You know who was most excited? The Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just No, I don't feel good about it. I have Stuart Skinner on my fantasy team. I'm hoping Edmonton picks it up. So I can get some W's. That's all. That's all I want. He gave up six goals last game. It's just like, gosh, in for all six too. That that's, that kills you. The the very very last thing I'll I'll share also Oilers related. There was a report. Um, I'm pull it right back up here from Reed Wilkins, who I don't even know, but it was tweeted out by Oilers Daily. Um, that the Oilers are reportedly interested in Jordan Bennington. <laughs> no, really? 
Yeah. Uh, Why? Why? They think they're one goaltender away from being competitive? Well, that's what, like, you add a goalie and say you could do it without, you know, trading a significant portion off your roster, which, by the way, you can't. But say you could, there's still more issues with this team. You're not suddenly a yeah. competitor or a winning team again, even. Um, does help you a lot, though. Doesn't help. Bennington is 30 years old, coming up the worst year of his career. He makes $6 million a year, Tim. $6 million a year. He's never really been a good goaltender. He he hovers around 9-1 save percentage. He had the playoff run where he won the Stanley Cup. 18-19. Everybody in St. Louis played fantastic. Ever since then, he's been okay. Like, he hasn't been lights out. His playoffs have been actually really bad. So, if this happens, it would be perfect. Like, I, I, I would very much like to see this. He's having a good year this year. So, maybe it'll happen. But what, what do you do with that contract? St. Louis is not going to want to keep any of that money for that term because he still has three more years after this year. So, I don't know. That can't be true. I've heard other rumblings of, of trades going on between Toronto and Calgary with Markstrom and Zadorov going to Toronto for Robertson and Samsonov. So oh, I think GMs Samsonov. are being active right now. Yeah. I used a fourth round pick on Samsonov in fantasy and he's so, so bad. He's been you were very so high bad. On him. You were very high. I was. He was so good so last was I. year. So yeah. was I. I was all in on the Elias Samsonov train. Those Russians. He's not one of them. There's, there's a few Russians that I trust. He's not one of them. You know what we should talk about is Jonathan Quick. I was also going to bring him up on this show. I forgot. Yeah. He's having a great season. You know, he's played a handful of games. He's playing great for the New York Rangers. He's exactly what they wanted him to be. Everybody thought he was going to be a flop in New York. Oh, he's not going to be good. He's coming off a really bad season. He's old. He's done. His style of play, he's a flexible, flamboyant goalie who just, you know, is all over the ice. It's not going to work. You guys, he's playing fantastic. He's doing great. He's got a 1.77 goals against. His save percentage is... 0.935. He's going to play 20 games. That's all he needs to play. I, I think it was a great signing by the New York Rangers. It's going to work out well. Good, good for him. Good for him. They already got Shesterkin. You don't want, you don't need someone to come and reinvent the wheel. I think it's good for both both parties involved. So, anyways, anything else, Tim? Uh, no, I think we did it. You got the Blackhawks tomorrow. I do. I'm going to take off for Chicago. Blackhawks, Tampa Bay. I'll be back on Friday though. This is this is priority one. The show here. So I'm not I'm not going to forget where I came from like all these other schmucks who just get the paycheck and they're gone. It's not me, man. So yeah, we'll see you guys Friday. I just I had a really positive feeling about the show, Tim. Felt I hope good. you have a great I hope you have a great night. You look great by the way. Oh, we we um for the people listening on YouTube, we upgraded our system. We went from Zoom to Riverside, and apparently this is a better system for recording. A little bit more money. Don't get me wrong. A little bit more money. I, I, I open up a piggy bank. So let <laughs> us know a, what you think. It's not a cost. It's an investment. You know, That's how I think of it. I don't make anything from YouTube. I don't understand it. Not a, not a dime. Nah. So it's a cost. You didn't pay for it. So, yeah, it's easy to say when you're not paying for it. Big Daddy over here paid for okay. it. Okay. Are we airing our dirty laundry in front of the kids now? I think let's, let's <laughs> go to bed and we'll talk about it tomorrow.
<laughs> You're not supposed to go to bed angry. That's what I've learned. I'll call you in a little bit, Tim. We'll air in this out. Okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good night. We'll talk to you on Friday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 